Good morning. This past week, the PCA, our denomination, had our General Assembly in Atlanta. I'm pleased to report that it was uneventful. Uh, There was uh, no major controversy. But one thing became incredibly apparent throughout our time at GA. I have the best church in the PCA. And uh, it is so true. It is so good to go and to be with the brothers and sisters in Christ and to hear their story and always have one that's a little better than theirs and, uh, and to know, okay, you may have it good, but uh, I have it better. Uh, it's, it really is a blessing to know. And so let me begin by telling you, I love you, Orangewood. I'm proud of you. Uh, God is working in our midst. I am humbled and in awe that God would call me to a church like this and to a position like this. And we've only just begun. And I tell you, the word's getting out in the PCA about what God's Spirit is doing here, uh, using us to advance His kingdom, and it's exciting. So thank you, and may God continue to find us faithful to His word and His calling in our lives. And for us to be faithful, what we got to do is we got to get into God's word. We have to uh, chew on it. We have to wrestle with it. We have to understand it. We got to apply it to our lives. We got to walk in light of its truth so that we can be all that God has called us to be. So as we continue our journey together, turn with me to 1 Peter. Uh, Today we're in chapter 2. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter 2, verses 21 through 25. And we're going to be called and challenged to follow Christ's example. I mean, we are called Christians. We are to be following our Savior, Jesus. And 1 Peter is going to give us an incredible calling, an incredible challenge just to do that. As we've been making our way through 1 Peter... Peter is painting a picture of who we are, and he's painting a picture of who we are in Christ. And and if you've been around and you've been listening, the picture is, is incredibly vivid. The picture is incredibly beautiful because we know the truth about who we are. We know ourselves, and yet God, in his mercy through the work of his son, is going to call us his people. He's going to use terms to describe us, terms like that we are chosen Terms like that we are a royal priesthood to him, royalty in the bloodline of the King Jesus, and to be a priesthood to do that work which is pleasing in his sight. He calls us a holy nation. He calls us a people of his own possession. He gives us some incredible descriptions of who we are, a chosen race. And just before we can kind of puff out our chest and feel all good about who we are, He also, Peter also, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is going to tell us, now here is what you are supposed to do. As God's chosen people, as the apple of his eye, you are to, in the last several weeks, we've been looking at this, submit. You're to submit to authority. Really, instead of puffing ourselves up to feel that we're the top of the totem pole, really, God has placed us, given us this title, so we'll be at the bottom lifting others up, serving others, submitting to the authority around us, so that his name will be praised, so that others will see a difference in us. Today's text will tell us that God has called us, they'll actually say, God has called us for this very purpose. It's one of those times in uh, Scripture when we hear when God says that he has called us for this. We better better listen up because God's going to be very direct with us through his word saying this is why. This is why I have chosen you. And by the way, we can't miss the verbiage again. It's God who calls. 
It's God is the one who has initiated with us. God is the one who has chosen us. God is the one who has redeemed us. God is the one who has given us new life. God is the one who has sent his son to rescue us. God is the one who's put the Holy Spirit inside us. It's all about him. It's all for his glory. And so before we feel too good about who we are in Christ, we need to be mindful. We need to fall down. It's God who calls. And God who calls us and gives us the ability to even listen. But he says he's called us for this purpose. To follow in the footsteps. Literally, to follow in Christ's footsteps. And also, to suffer. God's will for us includes suffering. Have you ever asked this question? And I know many of you have. Probably all of you have asked this question. Have you ever asked the question, why is there so much suffering in the world? I mean, maybe you're, you're at home after a long day's work and you flip on your favorite news channel. And there you see, uh, splattered all over the TV, the suffering of this world. And there's so many times when I, when I see it or I hear it, I just want to turn the channel. It's almost too much. There's waves and waves and waves of suffering. Have you ever asked the question, why does God, who's good, allow so much suffering? What about in the church? I mean, have you ever wrestled with that, saying, okay, well, there's suffering in the world. It's a fallen world. But why does God allow so much suffering in the church? I mean, we're his bride. We're his people. Why are we still wrestling with cancer? Why are there widows in our midst? Why have some of us lost our children? Why is there so much suffering in the church? Have you asked that question? What about your own life? Have you, have you looked into the mirror and seen the brokenness of, of your own life and, and the life around you? And have you said, God, why is there so much suffering in my life? Well, at one time or another, each of us has wrestled with that very question. And today's text will provide us some answers. Let's look together to God's inerrant holy word as we look at 1 Peter 1, uh, chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. For you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his footsteps or in his steps. Christ who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross. And here Peter is quoting Psalm 53. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep. But now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Let us pray. Father God, how important it is for you to speak this morning through your word. Because you have just told us that you have called us to yourself to imitate our Savior, your Son Jesus. 
and by following in His footsteps that we are going to suffer. Father, I ask that Your Spirit would come with power through the preaching of Your Word. That God, You would be pleased to speak through a broken sinner. One where deceit is often found in His mouth. One who often reviles. One who often doesn't trust. But God, for the glory of Your Son and for the health of Your Bride, would You speak through a broken sinner so that we can understand Your Word. Open up our ears to hear Your voice. Open up our minds to understand Your truth. Soften our hearts to be able to apply this to our lives for Your glory. Empower our feet to walk in a manner worthy of the Gospel. Father, You know that I come with fear and trembling before this text. But God, I ask that through the power of the resurrected Savior, that You and You alone would receive glory. And we would receive great enlightenment and challenge and joy. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to begin this morning by looking at the big picture, the big story. Then we're going to look into Peter's story. And then we're going to look into our own story. Because in this text, believe it or not, wrapped in these four little verses in Second, uh, 1 Peter 2, really is the story of redemption. It's God's bigger story. Typically, I'm the kind of guy who reads several books at one time. Occasionally, I finish one. But what I usually do is I'll start a book, I'll get a few chapters in, I'll put it down, uh, another book will arrive, I'll start that, I'll put it down in another location, and usually I have three or four spots where I'll have a book laying around my house, and when I'm in that spot, I'll pick it up and start reading and continuing the story. But when you start reading in the middle of a story, sometimes you forget. Sometimes you forget what you have just read, especially when you are reading other books. And and oftentimes I find myself flipping back to the pages that I've read or the pages I haven't colored in yet. Um, So that wasn't very funny, was it? I start flipping back to the pages to remember what's the point here? What's the big story? What is happening? Well, this morning, I'd kind of like for us to go back and ask again the question, what's the big story here? What is God doing in our midst? What has God done? And I want to take us briefly very back to the beginning. Because when it comes to suffering, and this is very important for us, the bride of Christ, to understand this. Because we are going to suffer, and we are suffering right now. And the world out there wants to have answers from us. And they want to know why they're hurting too. And they look to us and they say, well, is there any difference? You're hurting and we're hurting. How can you hurt with hope? How can you hurt with peace? And we have to have an answer for them. It says that right in Peter. We're going to get to that in a few weeks. But it goes back all the way to the beginning. You see, God has created us. This really, really good news this morning. God has created us for himself. God has created all things out of nothing. But he created us most special in all of his creation. Most special not because of us, but because of him. We are most special in the creation because he has given us, unbelievably, his image. We reflect who He is. We tell His story most clearly. He has set a unique, precious love upon us. Not only has He created us for Him, He's created us to walk with Him. He's created us for a relationship. There's some really good news. Your life's beyond you. 
God has created you for something more than just your surroundings, more than just your life. Have you ever asked that question? Is there more than this? Yes. God has created you for a relationship with him. Not only that, he's created us, uh, he placed us, he created man and woman, reflecting who he is, perfect, holy, without sin, wired for God. But God said, if you're going to sin, if you're going to do that which I commanded you not to do or fail to do that which I commanded you to do, you will certainly die. You will certainly suffer. Our relationship will be severed. It happened. Unbelievably, although man and woman were made in God's image, although we were bent toward holiness, although we were created with no sin, although we knew no sin, weren't in the habit of sinning, we did. Our very first parents sinned. Adam and Eve rebelled against God. God drove them out of his presence, drove them out of the garden. But he didn't forget them. He didn't forget them. And he says, I promise to bring you a Messiah. Do you know when the first time you're going to see the promise of the Messiah in the Bible is? It's way back in Genesis. Genesis 3.15, after the fall, God is making a promise to his people. He says, listen, I'm going to have one born of the woman's seed. That's born of Mary's seed. One without sin, one which is holy. One that will defeat Satan. And it says right in Genesis 3.15 that Satan is going to strike his heel. We look at the cross, we realize that Jesus had to suffer. But the Messiah is going to crush his head. You see, unbelievably, God knew that sin would cause suffering and pain and ultimately death. And God also knew that that death was nothing that we could solve on our own. But unbelievably, God would provide one that would still find a way home, his own son, Jesus. And unbelievably, right for this, it was through Jesus' suffering that we would be healed. It was a prophet Isaiah who talked about a suffering servant. And he said, there's going to be one that God's going to provide. And this one, he's, he's going to be smitten by God. There's nothing about his physical appearance that we're going to be attracted to. But God is going to take him. He's going to crush him for our iniquities. And through his bruises, we will be healed. You see, suffering came in in sin. But Jesus is dealing with suffering through the work of his own son. And Peter is getting this. Peter's realizing, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. He was the one who had to come and to suffer and didn't suffer in vain so that we can go home. You see, because of what Jesus has done, we see the big picture. God created us holy in his image. We sinned and we fell apart, uh, fell out of his presence and fell out of his favor. But Jesus was, came and was broken and suffered so that we could be healed. And then there's Peter's story. Peter's story is important to us because he has been there. Don't you love those Holiday Inn Express commercials? I mean, those are, those are phenomenal commercials. And there's, there's one that seems to be airing regularly right now. And it's that one where that clown is on top. I mean, the guy's about ready to get unleashed out into the rodeo, you know. And he's sitting there and he's talking to this uh, bewildered-looking cowboy who's about to go for the ride of his life. And, you know, you never want to have a scared cowboy, do you? But anyway, this cowboy looks scared. And here you have this clown. And this clown saying, now, now listen here, uh, this bull, I can't remember his name, maybe I remember the name? I don't either. This bull has an extra deltoid muscle, therefore his, his, his bucking power is exponentially greater than anyone else. Now you hold on tight, 
and you lean back and enjoy the ride. And the cowboy looked. He said, oh, man, you rodeo clowns are awesome. Rodeo clown? I'm here with a birthday party. You know, and he's, his bow tie starts spinning around and the kids are all waving. And he's basically saying, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. As if that's supposed to give him peace and comfort for the ride about to come. Listen, we want to know what kind of clown's giving us advice, don't we? Are you guys laughing at me? You want to know what kind of clown is giving you advice, but you don't want somebody who just pretends. I mean, you want somebody who's been there. And you see, this is Peter. And Peter's been there. This is really cool. Look, look, look back at this passage and think about Peter. He's going to start off by saying this. He says that God has called you for this purpose, that we should suffer in following his footsteps. And he goes on to describe the fact that, that Jesus, while suffering... While, while uh, being accused, there was no sin in his life. There was no deceit in his mouth. Think about Peter. Peter's the one who would say, I will follow you to the end. How did Peter's story start? I mean, you look at the beginning of the Gospels in Matthew, you get right to Matthew 4. Guess who the first disciple was called? It's Peter. And what was the call that Peter heard? Follow me. And what did Peter do? He left everything he owned. As a matter of fact, Luke will tell us that when he finally left to follow him, he had the biggest catch he ever had. He had worldly success. He had fame as a fisherman. And yet he left everything to follow Jesus. When Scripture says, and when Peter says through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, follow me, follow Jesus, Peter did it. You think about Peter's life a little bit further. He says, when I was reviled, I didn't revile in return. What did Peter do? Peter denied. Peter had curses in his mouth. Peter sinned. It's unbelievable when you think about him, how he describes Jesus, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. After being reviled, he did not revile in turn. While suffering, he uttered no threat, but kept entrusting himself to the one who judges rightly, righteously. What did Peter do? He failed miserably. That's his story. When he was asked, do you know this Messiah? Certainly you were with him. He Deceit was in his mouth. I don't know who he is. I don't know who he is. I swear to God, I don't know him. Peter not only knew what it was to follow Jesus, he knew what it is to fail. Isn't that encouraging, Christian? Just think about that. I mean, every one of us who's a follower of Christ have heard the call, follow me. And every one of us want to say like Peter, if everybody else leaves you, I'm I'm your man. I'm your man. Even if it comes to death, I'm your man. I will never leave you. And here we have Peter, one who is a failure. And yet, Peter, as he failed and the tears rolled down his face as he denied three times, he understood by God's grace the unbelievable reality that that most horrific event in history, that cross of Calvary, that all those denials, that all, all those sins were placed upon his Savior on that tree. And Peter knew the reality that through those wounds, he was healed. At the very end of the Gospels, John 21, we find Peter being restored by Jesus. It's a beautiful picture. And Jesus is asking Peter, 
three times. Do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Do you really love me? And Peter's saying, Jesus, you know the truth. You know I'm a broken sinner. You know that I've broken my word. You know that I'm a denier. But you also know that I love you. Jesus kept on saying to him, will you take care of the sheep? Will you, will you tend to the sheep? Will you feed my lambs? What is Peter saying at the end of this little pericope, at the end of this little verse chapter 24? What's he saying? Return to the shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Is this not the entire picture of Peter's story right here in these four verses? He knew that he was like one who went astray. Listen, it says in 25, for you continually were straying like sheep. Don't you love the reality that he knew what it was to stray like a sheep? But you have returned to the guardian of your souls. This is a chief strayer who's calling us saying, we need to and we have returned to the guardian of our soul. You see, we ought to understand Peter's story because this is important. Listen, because Peter's no clown. Peter's no clown. He's the real deal. And we should listen because he's been there. You see, we see the big story of redemption in this. We see Peter's own story. But what about our story? You see, the beauty of Scripture, folks, the beauty of God's Word is this. It's not just a story that we sit apart from. It's a story that intersects our lives. It's our call. It's our challenge. It's where we meet God and God feeds us. And a call is this, is a call to follow. Our story, Christian, is to call to follow in his sufferings. Verse 21. Look again, for you have been called for this very purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his footsteps, in his steps. How many of you, you can admit it in public, it's okay, it might be therapy for you today. How many of you own the poem Footprints? It's okay, raise your hand up. I see a couple of you guys, a couple of you were like this, you know. It's a good poem, I mean, it really is. I mean, at one time in our lives, probably every Christian on their journey home has read footprints and has wiped a tear and, and felt good about the story. For the three of you who have never heard this story, let me read footprints in the sand to you. One night, I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Many scenes from my life flashed across the sky. In each scene, I noticed footprints in the sand. Sometimes there were two set of footprints. Other times there were one set of footprints. This bothered me because I noticed that during the low periods of my life, when I was suffering from anguish, sorrow, or defeat, I could only see one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, You promised me, Lord, that if I followed you, you would walk with me always. But I've noticed that during the most trying periods of my life, they have not, there have only been one set of footprints in the sand. In the sand. Why, when I needed you most, you have not been there for me? The Lord replied, The times when you see only one set of footprints in the sand, it is when I carried you. (laughs) There always should be only one set of footprints in the sand. Listen, there are not two. We, we're not our own. God hasn't come along us so he can merrily follow us through a nice little stroll along the beach. And we can have his footprints and our footprints as we sing happily together. Now that's a picture that we all probably long for. We all would kind of enjoy. But that's not reality, nor is that scripture. 
Basically, what God's word says is there's one set of footprints. They're Jesus's. Walk ye in them. As you walk ye in them, you're going to find yourself far oftentimes from sandy beaches and a nice cool breeze. Because his footsteps go through the battlegrounds of life. His footsteps took on the enemy head on. His footsteps are filled with blood and sacrifice and sorrow. And the Christian life isn't one where we just have him walking hand in hand on the beach. It's one where he says, listen, you are mine, but you're an enemy of Satan's. It's one where he says, for this walk, you better put on the full armor of God. For this walk, you're going home, but the way home is really going to be painful. For this walk, there is going to be suffering. And I love this picture of Jesus because, listen, there was never a more incongruent reality that the one who was most righteous suffered the most, okay? And when Jesus says, I want you to live a holy and pleasing life, we can never assume that our living a holy and pleasing life will keep us from suffering, it will lead us to suffering. Many, many folks in the church today say, listen, if you're suffering, you're doing something wrong. If you're, if you're suffering. Now, just last week we looked at the fact that there are those who suffer because we have done wrong. That's justice. If we mess up, we, we'll, we, we will receive the consequences. But this is suffering for doing what's right. This is suffering for doing the right thing. And some will tell you that if you're suffering in your life for doing the wrong thing, you must really be wrong. Look at your life. Maybe you don't have enough faith. Maybe you're not giving enough. Maybe you're not having a big enough quiet time. And let me tell you, that's not what Scripture says, Christian. It's a lie. And it scares your pastor to death that somehow as Christians, we're buying into this worldview that our lives should be ducky, that our lives should be easy, that our lives should avoid suffering. That's not our call. You have been called according to this purpose that you will follow in Christ's footsteps. And just as he suffered, guess what? He will too. Here's the beauty though. We'll never suffer in vain. We'll never suffer alone. Listen, you will never suffer alone. You may feel really alone this morning. You may be suffering and crying out in your heart and no one seems to hear, but I promise you, your Savior hears and he lives to intercede for you. You never will suffer in vain. He, will, he is the guardian of your soul. He'll refine you. He'll lift you up. He'll be with you. As you go through the fire, He will be there. You know the really amazing thing about our God? He's going to use suffering in our lives. He's going to use it to make us a little homesick. He's going to use it to remind us that there's more to come. He's going to use it to make us more like Jesus. You know, Orangewood, here's here's the message this morning. Lean into it. We're broken people. We're on our way home. He says, follow in my footsteps. Enter into the suffering, not only in our own lives, but listen, in the lives of those around you, they're hurting too. They are, they're hurting. They look good this morning. But the truth is, they're hurting And God has called us as a body of Christ not to run away from suffering. Somehow our society says, if you're hurting, you're doing something wrong. Make the good life. Make ease. It's not the followers of Christ's life. we got to hurt with one another. we got to feel one another's pains. we got to weep with one another. And thus, follow the footsteps of Christ. You see, there's a call 
to suffer. But we're not suffering in vain. There's also a call to faith. He tells us how we're to suffer. We're to suffer um, with our mouths closed and crying out to God. We're to suffer without sin. We're to suffer without lashing back. If you and I are suffering, you know what the first thing we want to do? Stop it. And and we really trust God that he is going to judge righteously. Don't you and I have a propensity to take things into our own hands? Let me solve the problem. Let me make the pain go away. Here's what Jesus' example is to us and for us is this. Suffer, even suffer injustice, but place your faith and trust that God is a righteous judge. Here's the whole point. God loves us. He's chosen us. We're his holy nation, a royal priesthood. He will protect us. Do we trust him? Do we really have faith that God will see us through? Do we really have faith that his footsteps that lead us into some pretty scary places, that he'll get us home? Do we really trust God will judge others? That we don't have to lash out. That God ultimately will bring justice. We do not have to. Christian, let me tell you, it's such a freedom. You live your life and injustice is done to you. There's good news. You don't have to have tit for tat. There's good news. You don't have to have revenge. There's good news. You don't have to get him back. And you could be a man or a woman of God by saying, God, I trust you. I walk in your footsteps. And I'm going to trust that you will be faithful. And my faith is in your judgment. There's also this incredible call to redemption in verse 24. He himself, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Hear the good news, Christian. For by his wounds, you and I were healed. Like Peter, we've all denied Jesus. Like Peter, we've all committed sin. Like Peter, we've all had deceit in our mouths. Like Peter, we've all tried to take matters into our own hands and haven't really trusted God. But there's such good news. Christ became our sin on the cross so that we could become His righteousness. Did you hear that? That's the Gospel. Christ became our sin on the cross. He bore our sin in His body. So that we could become His righteousness. Therefore, our call, Christian, therefore our call is to die to sin. To no longer live in the flesh, but to live unto righteousness. And to walk in the Spirit. It's also a call to rest. Rest in His protection. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the guardian. Listen, The guardian of your souls. No matter what happens to you in life, I cannot promise you, God's Word does not promise us that we are not going to leave here and not face any tragedy. Tragedy may hit us today. We may get a phone call tonight that we dreaded to hear. But Jesus is the guardian of our souls. He's the guardian of our souls. Listen, He's the guardian of our souls. Nothing can happen to us that doesn't pass through His loving hands. Jesus is the guardian of our souls. If the world takes away our life, they destroy our body. Jesus is the guardian of our souls. Jesus is the guardian of our souls. 
And He will never let us go. We will get home. The tomb was empty. The price was paid for our sins. And the guardian of our soul, Jesus, is a high priest who lives and intercedes for us. We are going to make it home. No matter what happens, there's good news. We're going to get home, Christian. We will get home because He is the guardian of our souls. I know there's times in life where He feels like He's forgotten our soul. Or He's letting us dangle out on, the, on, a, on, a, on a limb. And we're crying out saying, where, how long, O Lord? Where are you, O Lord? I'm trying to follow in your footsteps and look what is happening. Have faith, my brothers and sisters. Out on that limb is your Savior. Out on the limb is your Comforter. Out on that limb is the deposit, the Holy Spirit guaranteeing that you will make it home. See this call to rest. Rest in the reality that Jesus' suffering was sufficient for sins. Now listen, we've got to make this clear. We don't suffer for our own sins. I mean, let me phrase that. We do suffer because we're sinners. But our suffering hasn't set us free. Only His suffering set us free. And His suffering was sufficient for all your sins. The blackest sins of your life. Those things that you would shudder even thinking about. His sacrifice was sufficient for us. His Spirit will comfort us along the way. Our position in Christ will never change. Rest in Him. Christian, follow Him. Follow in His footsteps. Have faith. Embrace that redemption. And rest in Christ. And last is the call to rescue in His name. Peter knew the call. At the very end of his life, as I mentioned earlier, in in John 21, at the very end of Jesus' ministry before He ascended into heaven, Jesus commissioned Peter to be feeding the sheep, to be looking after the lost. And, and history will tell us that Jesus's, or Peter's life did emulate that of his Messiah, even to the point of crucifixion on a tree, but upside down because he couldn't be crucified in the same manner his Savior was. But his whole life, he knew that God had called him to be a fisher of men. Orangewood, that's our call. Our call is to rescue lost sheep. Our call is to tell others, those who have wandered away from the shepherd, is to bring them home. Who do you know in your life right now? What family member? What friend comes to mind that is wandering away from the shepherd? The guardian of their souls. God has called us to be a body. He's called us to go and for His glory in His name to go and to rescue lost sheep. We are God's chosen people. We are His royal priesthood to serve Him as we serve and submit to Him and rescue others. We are called to suffer. The way home is going to be hard, folks. The journey ahead is going to be really difficult. But He'll never leave us nor forsake us. As we walk in His footsteps, listen, as we walk in His footsteps, even in the pain, we find life We find joy. We find mercy. We find grace as we follow after our Savior. The worship team is going to come forward and we're going to sing, carry His love to a suffering world. And really, that is our call. Our call is to go and to to carry His love to a broken world. And one of the ways, one of the ways we carry His love to a broken world is through our prayers. Is for praying for the broken praying for those in our lives as Jesus Himself withdrew and went to the Father and prayed for us and the world's needs. 
we have that privilege too to go and carry His love to a suffering world. Let us pray together. Father God, I thank You for the incredible call that You've given us. The call to be imitators of Your Son, our Lord Jesus. To follow in His footsteps. Father, I pray that You would give us the ears to hear His call. Give us the eyes to see His footsteps. And Father, I pray that we would walk in those steps. Not walking on our own asking God to come alongside of us. But God, that we would die to ourselves. That we would die to our sinful nature. And that we would live unto righteousness. And that God, You would use us to carry Your love to a broken world. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.